All right, so we're kind of moving on to our our second message in our series. On Easter, we went over this important fact that faith in Christ makes us new, and we we explored that that truth uh, uh, for a little while and just uh, celebrated what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross and through his resurrection. And because of that, we can have new life, and the power of the resurrection uh, can help us in all kinds of ways beyond forgiveness, which, you know, that would be enough right there, right? But for the believer, Christ has given us his spirit, and it says the, it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, I mean, that's powerful, and he's living inside every believer. So um, uh, today we're going to talk about just how, uh, you know, some of the greatest obstacles to growing in our faith is the inability to fully receive the forgiveness of God. He's granted it, but we sometimes don't always um, believe it, okay? We, we let our past kind of hinder our future growth, and that's not what God wants to do. He wants us to recognize just how much He has forgiven us and to, um, to just, in a sense, walk victoriously in that. You know, we're, we're still going to sin and so on, but, but He has... He has forgiven us completely, but sometimes we just don't understand that. We, get, uh, we listen to some of the lies from the enemy, and he uh, hamstrings us, and we're, we're uh, not as effective in our walk as we could be. So um, let's, let's go to prayer here and ask for the Lord's help this morning. Father, we come to you this morning, and we are grateful, grateful <clears throat> just to be able to be together, singing praises to your name, to the one who... Um, who makes uh, forgiveness and restoration with God available to anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord, as it says. And so, Lord, we are just grateful for that, and we also grateful to be able to sit under your word this morning, knowing that in it is is, uh, guidance, in it is uh, um, just grace, and Lord, we want to... um, ask you this morning to help us to understand, help us to not under, understand mentally, but also to, we, we want to give you our hearts. We want you to speak to our hearts, and so that it wouldn't just be some intellectual exercise here this morning, but we really want to know you better. And in so doing, Lord, we want to become more like Jesus. Lord, would you help us with that? Would you grant us that request? And we also, Lord, we want to pray for the sick in our church. We want to pray for healing in their bodies. Anyone this morning that's not feeling well or is battling disease, Lord, that we know we, we lift them up to you. And Lord, we just uh, help us, God, to not forget uh, the mission that you have called us to, Lord, to make disciples. Lord, help us to carry that out faithfully, Lord, all of our days. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we're going to be focusing in on um, this passage in Philippians, and really particularly two verses of of Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. But um, to really make sure that we're understanding those two verses, we need to understand the verses that come before it. So uh, would you please, if you're able, stand with me for the reading of God's Word here this morning. I'm going to read for you Philippians, uh, starting in the second part of verse 4, because uh, there's kind of a break there, uh, and then moving forward through verse 14. So 
God's Word says, If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Please have a seat. This is God's word. It's interesting. Um, I don't know if you if you know much about history of the uh, of the of the um, the race of the you know the mile race. There's back in 1954, Roger Bannister became the first man in history to run a mile in less than four minutes. Of course, that's been broken you know um, many times since then, but. Within two months, uh, a guy named John Landy eclipsed the record by 1.4 seconds. And then on August 7th, 1954, those two people met in a race. And uh, as they moved into the last lap, Landy held the lead, and he looked as if he would win. But as he neared the finish line, he was haunted by one question. You know what it was? Where is that guy? <laughs> Where is Bannister? Right? And as he turned to look, Bannister took the lead. And um, as, as the Time magazine uh, interviewed him, uh, Landy later told him, he says, uh, if I hadn't looked back, I would have won. And, uh, you know, the rest is history there. And, um, you know, just, just thinking about how Paul in this passage is kind of using a, a racing metaphor. He's using kind of a run, all believers run in a race, right? And, uh, and so uh, along with that, you know, one of the things that we need to learn is that, you know, looking back is not always a good thing. I mean, there are definitely things that are, are good about remembering, but uh, there's an aspect of the Christian walk where we need, to be, we need to be good forgetters, okay? And I want to talk to you some about that this morning with regard to this passage. In particular, the first point we want to make here is this. In order to get past our past, we need to forget what lies behind. And that may sound to be a little bit master of the obvious, but, um, but this is an important thing, is that some people... And, I've, and this has happened to me, and I'm, 
I, I dare say it's probably happened to some people in this congregation, get stuck in their walk with Jesus because it's like their past is a ball and chain when it comes to their walk with Jesus. Okay, and so um, and, and they start listening um, to the lies of the devil and listen to some of these lies that they might hear and that you may have heard yourself and believed possibly. Um, I can't be used by God because blank. You know, you fill in something that you did in the past that you feel like might be disqualifying you from being used by God. Another one is, I think, uh, I know they will think that I'm crazy if I tell them I used to do blank. You know, and there's uh, sometimes we just, you know, part of God's um, program, if you will, in growing us up in our, our faith is to have um, fellowship with other believers. And, you know, even to the scriptures tell us to confess our sins to one another, right? There's, there's an element of growth that comes by just being open with a few people that you have learned to trust who are believers. And sometimes, though, the enemy gets us thinking that if people knew that I struggled with something, uh, that I was caught in some sin, they would think I was crazy. And, and that's certainly a lie from the devil. Um, another one is, uh, I can't ask for help because, you know, and then something in your past. Uh, I can't have any joy because I used to do this. And, you know, you can just go on and on. I'm sure you've probably heard some. But when, you know, think back, you need to, you need to remember this, that um, in, uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Revelation uh, chapter 12, just for a second. We're going to be there just for a second. Revelation 12. And then um, in verse 10, it says, And now I, says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And some of those accusations come in the form of these lies that we believe. Um, we're, we're stuck on our past, some failures, some sin that we were caught in, or um, you know, and, and we just can't seem to make progress in our faith. And some people wonder why that is until you point out, uh, maybe through the course of conversation, that you may have observed that I think that this thing that is looming over you in your mind and in your heart from the past, and you're not letting it go, or you're not seeing how God sees it now that you're in Christ, right? Because, um, again, this, uh, the verse, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that we're made new once you're in Christ. And so there's a couple aspects to this idea of, of this biblical concept of you know, forgetting what lies behind, as Paul says there. And one is just that, uh, first, we, we can allow uh, our past failures to prevent us from moving forward if we don't realize how fully forgiven we are. 
Okay, if we don't realize how fully forgiven we are, we may be buying into a lie that we're not quite as lovable as we would be if we hadn't done whatever it is that we are hung up on from the past. And so I want to take a look at some scriptures with you this morning that remind us um, of just how much we're forgiven. Think about Paul, right? Paul has, he, he talked about uh, in those opening verses there that we read, let me find my passage here, uh, some of the things that he mentioned there, you know, he was, as to zeal, he was known for persecuting the church. Well, can you just imagine, here he is, you know, um, now a believer, and, and how that could potentially af- affect his relationship with God, and how he might just have so much um, guilt that if he didn't really understand and see how much he had been fully forgiven, it might just totally scuttle his walk with God, and he'd be in constant guilt because of his past sin, because he, he like you said, he was a persecutor of the church. He put um, he put Christians in jail. He saw that you know some of them would have been stoned and be put to death. He was a part of that. He played that, and and so here he is, here he is listing off all these things, and you would just have to think that he's had to realize that those past sins, as great as they were, were totally covered by the blood of Christ. And he was forgiven, and he doesn't have to, um, uh, you know, stay back there with uh, the guilt he was feeling. But let's go to Psalm 103, Psalm 103, I'll just read from verse 1, it says, bless the Lord. O oh, my soul, and all that is, is within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives some of your sins. Nah. Forgives all, all. You just love the word all, don't you? In this instance, you love the word all because it's all your sins. It doesn't say some of the ones that you might feel are more heinous than others, you know. All of your sins. He says, who forgives all your iniquities or sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. If you know Christ as Savior, you've been made new and you have been redeemed. Past tense. It's, It's a done deal, right? Completely redeemed and in right relationship with God. In verse 4, again, it goes on, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That's our God. That's what he's like, you know. 
And so when you think about your past and sins you've committed and those things that, that you may feel like, well, you know, um, God can't really forgive that. I mean, I know his, his blood he shed for me on the cross forgives me, but this is, this is really bad. Make no mistake, uh, when he says that he forgives all your sins, he means just that. Every one of them. Everyone is forgiven. It's very important that we understand this. And this can be something, again, that some people struggle with. Uh, that their past has really kept them from moving forward. And they need to understand just how much God has forgiven us. Now, in Romans 8, turn there real quickly, Romans 8. Romans 8, an incredible chapter in the New Testament. There is therefore, verse 1, there is therefore now, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, if you're saved, there is no condemnation. The Lord's not looking down on you now, bringing up that past uh, in a condemning way. If that's happening, it's not God. It's Satan. Okay? And we have to remember that. We have to remember that. You know, some of us may, may be here this morning when I'm on this part of the message saying, well, Greg, I don't have any problem with that. You know, thank you so much. I mean, not in a bad way, but, you know, that's not my thing. But let me tell you what, there are some people sitting here probably where this is their thing. They have trouble uh, grappling with the grace of God and that he would forgive them that much and even continue to forgive them with current struggles, right? Because when, when we're forgiven by Christ, we're, we're declared righteous, right, uh, before, uh, you know, in terms of the heavenly courts. Um, you know, some people just have a hard time thinking about uh, if they continue to struggle with certain things, uh, that, that God still loves them, or he still continues to forgive them in that way, or that they're somehow lesser, but that's not the case. It says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on, for the law of the spirit of the life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. But this goes on and on. And then, and then he hits uh, there towards the end. Um, he hits towards the end. He says, um, verse 31 of Romans 8, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, you have to know that God is fully for you, 100% as a believer. When you're made new, you're fully forgiven, and He's all for you. It says, he, did not, he who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him, if that wasn't enough, right? With Him, give us all things. Everything you need to live your Christian life in your context with your unique situation there, you need to think about this promise here where he says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how he, will he not also, 
um, with him graciously give you, and then whatever you need, fill in the blank. Whatever you need in this situation to live your life in a way that's glorifying to God, he has supplied and will supply. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? And that's what's happening. When we hear these lies, there is a charge coming against you in heaven, and it's Satan the accuser. It's Satan the accuser. He's saying, look, hey, you don't realize, you know, this guy over here, Greg, these are some things he did back there. I, don't, I think you kind of skipped that. You don't realize just what a bad dude he is. But it says here, it is God who justifies in verse 33. Who is, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. It doesn't get any better than that. Jesus Christ praying for you, right? Praying for you, interceding. Who shall separate us, as it says? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Because that's what we start to wonder. That's when Satan, he throws those lies at us about our past uh, and maybe even present struggles, right? And uh, we start thinking that maybe I am separated from Christ's love. Maybe I'm, I'm the one, you know. But it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, it says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And this is where you really need to start taking these things to heart if you haven't already. You need to embed this in your brain when he says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, he says, nothing that you've done will separate you from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. Again, critical that you're in Christ Jesus, that you're a Christian, that you put your faith in him, like we talked about last week. And so, so Paul's saying here that the one thing he wants to do and, and was focused in on, and you've got to appreciate a guy who boils it down, right? This one thing I do, I'm like, okay, I could do that. One thing, you know? This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Now, let me say one thing, too. Sometimes um, we, we could spend a lot of time on this in terms of dealing with our past. I mean, this is not going to definitely, this is going to kind of scratch the surface. But, but the thing is, is that, you know, some things in our past might require revisiting for us to be to make things right, okay? Like, in other words, maybe it's, it's not that God hasn't forgiven you. It's that maybe you need to make restitution with somebody. Maybe it, you've done some wrong. Maybe there's, you know, something that you've done and, you, you, you know, it's, something's not right in this relationship over here and you need to do what you can, you know, if you have not confessed your wrong to that person and asked for forgiveness, because that can hinder you as well. Um, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 
2 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, um, well, let's go ahead and read it, then we'll comment on it. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 10, it says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For It says, For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. And the thing I want to talk about there just briefly is that, you know, sometimes there are just things that we have not repented of. You know, and you've probably heard or read things where somebody will say, well, they're just sorry they got caught. They're not really repented, right? And that certainly can happen, right? And it's probably happened to us before, too, where we were just sorry that, our sin was called out, and we've not really dealt with it and have not really grieved and repented of it, right? And so Paul's just simply saying there is a godly grief that brings about true repentance, right? But there is a worldly sorrow where, yeah, you're sorry, but there's no heart change, right? And, and so I'm, I'm just bringing this up because sometimes... Uh, yes, we understand God's forgiveness, but there's some stuff we still need to do with God because we really haven't repented of that, right? We haven't repented of that. And um, I don't know if that's you today, but that's something to think about. You know, if, if, if uh, you know, is there something that, uh, that you're fully aware of that you really haven't repented of? Is there someplace you've dug your heels in with God and put up a sign that says, you know, we're not going there, okay? Because, you know, make no mistake, there's, there's some things that um, can cause us not to experience a full freedom in Christ that's available to us because either, A, we have not dealt with something, in a right way, have truly repented of it, or B, just we're not believing. We're not believing what God says about his forgiveness. And it's really, a, it's, a, it's a trust, it's a belief. And so this is, this is important. This is, this is critical. Now, the other thing, and this may seem a little strange to you, but I'm telling you, it's right here in these verses in Philippians, if you, if you look. And that is this, that we, we can allow our past victories so we've been talking about our past failures, but what are our past, we can allow our past victories to hinder our walk with Christ when we coast in the Christian life and become self-reliant. That can happen. I mean, you, you might think that would have been easy for Paul to coast. I mean, look, listen to the list of credentials. Did you hear it? Right? As he uh, talks about, you know, in terms of his, he, you know, he, he was the uh, the Hebrew of Hebrews, as he said, because he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, right? Uh, right on down to the tribe he was from, right? Um, and it says, uh, in regard to the law of Pharisee, so 
well studied. He knew his he knew his Bible, if you will, right? Um, based on the law, he calls himself faultless. But then in verse seven, he says, "But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ." Now, yeah, he's talking about things that were BC days for him before Christ. But I think we can do that as believers now too. We can kind of rest on the things that we that we've done in the past. And, and, and we just kind of think, okay, I've kind of, and by the way, I'd say this is, um, if, if, you're a, if you're somebody like me, you're in, your, you're in your 50s, your 60s, you've been a believer for a long time, it could be easy to coast. It could be really easy to say, you know, I did that. I've done all that stuff, you know. I planted a church, you know. I've done this or I've done that. You know, I mean, you, you can start thinking that you've kind of, you've kind of done enough for God, you know. That would be wrong thinking, okay? That would be wrong thinking because, you know, if you still got breath in you, God still want to use you, okay? Uh, and, and, and we cannot forget that. We can rest on these past victories, and, and that can actually prevent us from moving forward in our walk with Jesus, right? Paul's telling us there, right, not to put confidence in our accomplishments, And what we need to do, right, is to really take aim, take aim. And this really comes to the second part of these verses that we've been talking about, right? Because he says in verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet, uh, yet to have taken hold of it. And by the way, what is it? Okay, well, uh, I think it has to do with what he was talking about before that was he is so driven to know Jesus Christ. He wants to know him more and more. I mean, he has a relationship with him. There's no question. He was saved, right? You can read about his uh, salvation story in the book of Acts, right? And so, but he wants to know him so badly. He describes it. He wants to know him more intimately in, in ways that he just says, you know, all this other stuff that the world looks at, um, is rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ and gaining him, right? And so he says, um, verse 10, I want to know Christ, just to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. I mean, can you imagine that? I I don't think I've arrived at the place where I said, I want to know what it's like to suffer like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus so much. And he's genuinely saying this. He wants to know Jesus more and more. This is his, this is his quest. And so you talk about some, somebody here who's not sitting on his laurels. He's not, he's not resting in his past victories as a believer. He's pressing on to know Jesus. And so in thinking about your past, in a positive way, you know, celebrate the things that God has done in your life. Celebrate the ways that He's used you. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't let it don't let it end there. Press on to know the Lord. See where He want He wants to use you right now. But it is easy. It is easy at times. I, and I think the longer you know the Lord, it's easier to coast than it is to press on into new territories in your walk with Jesus. 
We have to be careful of that. I, I preach to myself as I say that, you know, is that we have to be careful of this kind of a, a Christian, you know, being lethargic and lax. Thinking back, though, to some of these things, you know, to forgetting what lies behind. I can't, there's a number of times over the years, I've probably happened to you, well, maybe not, maybe just me, uh, where I, so when we park our cars, uh, we got in the habit of putting our emergency brake on, or some people call it the parking brake. Several times I've driven with the emergency brake on. I'm like, what is wrong with this car? It is so slow. There's something wrong with the engine. I know it. Could be me. Not the driver. You know, and then all of a sudden you start smelling something burning. It doesn't take too long, right? Oh, man, the emergency brake's on, you know? Well, you know, letting our past uh, influence us in a negative way, like it's like trying to drive with your emergency brake on. You're walking with Jesus, but you got the brake on. And we have to really... Embrace God's full forgiveness. So maybe for some of you today, you just need to believe what God says, right? He's not a liar. If he says, I've forgiven you fully and freely from past, present, and future sins, embrace it. Say amen and say, God, help me. Help me to combat the lies, right? And for those of us where uh, our past victories are, are, they're hindering us because we're living in the past. We're not living in the present. We're not... Cutting new territory, if you will, for the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. And I don't know what that means for you. Maybe it just means trusting him uh, to use you for his glory, you know, tomorrow when you go to work, to be used by him, to be want, it, want to be used by him. And so, so we have to be careful about our past. The second thing, though, is that in order to get past our past, we need to become future-focused and uh, you're probably thinking, well, Pastor, how long did it take you? Did it take you all night to come up with that? <laughs> you know, that's kind of, again, master of the obvious. Master of the obvious, right? Well, I'm just telling you what Paul said, right? Forgetting what lies behind, but reaching forward to lies ahead. This is what he's saying. Don't get stuck in the past, whether it be from your victories uh, for the Lord or whether it be uh, your past sins, but reach forward to what lies ahead. He uses that language there. He says, um, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. The goal is to know the Lord more intimately, to pursue knowing him, to do his will while we're left on this earth, right? And so we, we, need, to, uh, we need to really engage, if you will for Star Trek fans, right? Engage, you know? we got to not be uh, sitting around. The Lord's got stuff for us to do, and he wants to hit in the engage, and he wants us to be future-focused and press on. You know, this is the, the thing, is that The Lord calls us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our salvation and of Jesus Christ, right? When we come to faith, he wants us to grow spiritually. And some people forget that. They think that, you know, spiritual growth is going to happen just by osmosis. You know, I, I think I'll 
you know, I think I'll take my concordance or my Bible dictionary and just put it under my pillow at night, and it's going to make me more like Jesus. Uh, now, we, we chuckle at that, but, you know, that's kind, sometimes that's how we actually operate, not with the actual book under the pillow, but we kind of just, we're not engaging in the things that actually help us grow, okay? And, 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 so, and, and so, you know, you don't, you, we don't want to come to the end of the race, sticking with Paul's metaphor, and spill, still be spiritual babies with people's changing our spiritual diapers, okay? We want to, we need to be, let go, I just thought of this, let's go there. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians is not Philippians, sorry. Nor has, nor has it ever been. <laughs> it's like, where's the verse? Where's the verse? Okay, Colossians 1, 28, 29. Uh, you got a Bible, you got your device, you should highlight this and take this as, this should be everyone's life verse, okay? In, it says, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the goal, Christian. And guess what? You're part of the everyone because you're someone, okay? I mean, you're in that lot. I'm in that lot, right? So if we're supposed to be about helping grow mature disciples, then that means that we're supposed to also be maturing, right? We proclaim Christ, warning everyone, teaching everyone. Becoming a mature disciple is going to include some learning, okay? And I'm all about the learning. I'm a teacher, okay? And, you know, and I tell my students, you know what? You take this class, it's going to it's going to take you, the class that I teach, 16 hours a week. They don't believe me. And then they fail. And I said, well, you, you, you didn't put in the time. Because I can see, I have all kinds of measurements. I know when they're supposed to be, you know, doing their homework. I mean, it's kind of scary. I know how long they sit there between problems. It's scary. Yeah, Big Brother is watching. Big Burlisle is watching, you know. And, and so... But so you got, because what you're trying to teach them is that, you know what, you're going to have to actually put in the time. And as Christians, for some reason, we think learning shouldn't be like that for Jesus. You're going to have to put in some time. It's going to take some effort. We are called to maturity, people. We are called, we, we want to come before Jesus as mature believers. In verse 29, it says, now listen, this is after this this, uh, call to making mature disciples, right? Presenting everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. 
He's like, you know, to my dying breath, I'm going to do what I can to make sure I present mature disciples to Christ. And as, as your pastor, as one of your elders, this is the challenge, right? There was a phrase years ago, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mentioning this politically, it's going to sound like that, but I'm going to risk it anyway. It was like, it was, um, what was the phrase? No child left behind. Some teachers said it was no teacher left standing. Uh, I heard both sides of it, right? But the idea is that you want every child to, you know, to have the proper education. That was the, that was the, that was the deal, right? And you can debate, we can debate all about whether that happened or not and all that. But that's not my point. My point is that in, the, in church life, as a believer, this should be our thing. No believer left a baby, left a babe in Christ. And so, as leaders of the church, we need to, we need to challenge our, our uh, believers here to grow. We need to make sure you're getting a good diet of the word up here. But we also need to say, you know what? There's things that you have to do, right, throughout the week. And we, I preach it all the time. Time with God. Time in his word. Bible study. Prayer. And yet I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to be condemning in any way, there are people who still don't have a regular time with God. Why is that? I can't answer it for you. But, you know, it's, think about it. It's like any relationship. You don't, you don't spend time with God, you're not going to really know him that well. It's just, I mean, it really is that simple. You know, and, and so I'm just, I'm issuing forth the challenge here. Paul says he's going to press on. He's going to forget what lies behind. He's going to strain forward what lies ahead. And it's all for him, it's all about pressing on to know Christ and advancing his kingdom. And if we're going to do that, and and as Christians in this culture, if we're going to do that, we've got to have mature, capable believers. And that's going to take time and effort on your part. Okay, Time and effort on your part. Whether it's time in Bible study and learning how to study the Bible, whether it's being with other believers in a small group and digging in and talking about the tough things and challenging one another, exhorting one another. We have to. We have to because what I'm finding out is that it's fairly complicated, I'm sure you would agree, but people that are chucking their faith now, some of them had a lot of knowledge but their heart wasn't really connected to the Lord. The relationship either wasn't there or it was just minimal. But on the other hand, some maybe had a heart for the Lord, but they got sucked in by the world's doctrine of the way things ought to be. And they bought in. We have to have answers. There are answers to the world's questions. But we, we can't, you know, 
All right, where are we at? Time, okay. So, uh, half of this wasn't even planned. I don't know what, it's, it's good, what's on the paper is good, but we didn't get there. But I want to tell you this, um, when we, um, Linda, my Linda and, and Charlie and his Linda, we, we've been going through some training on, on, on doing some discipleship groups and so on, and one of the training sessions we were at, it was, they showed a video, it was, it was, a, it was, it was, a, it was a funny video, and basically what it was is you saw this person out on the sidelines of a soccer game, it was a parent or something like that, or or maybe been a track. I think it might have been a track and field event. There was a parent down there, and and um, somebody had asked them a spiritual question, and then they pulled out their phone and pressed a button, and the pastor appeared. <laughs> oh, I can help you with that. And the pastor's holding the baby, you know, his his baby, uh, and, and it's just they they were trying to say, is you know what, God didn't design us for to press the pastor button to help you minister to the people that you have around you. That's why he's got you there, right? And, and this all fits with, I mean, I'm not rambling, okay? This actually all fits. It may sound like that. It all fits with this pressing on to know the Lord and this, this life verse, if you will, this mission that we have to make mature disciples, right? We need all hands on deck as believers, mature believers, Right? And how do we get maturity? Pray that the Lord's going to help you know Him better. And then you've got to put in the time to be with Him. Right? I mean, I can say I love Chris all day long, but if I never spend moment one with Chris or very little time, you know, what does that really say? Right? Just as a simple example. You got to spend time with God, and if you're if you're not understanding how to study the scriptures, grab somebody around here who you trust and you know is a mature believer. If you want a referral, I'll give you one. Okay, I'm serious about that, and have them help you so that you know you can grow in your walk with God, and so that you can be an effective force for the kingdom. Okay. And so, we want to press forward. We want to move on. And this is what Paul's telling us to do. He's like, you know, when you want to get past your past, you're going to have to forget what lies behind, but you're also going to have to be future-focused, and you're going to have to be focused on the Lord and His mission for your life. Okay? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for your full forgiveness and that when we have been made new by putting our faith in Christ, we're completely forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us, as it says. Lord, help us to be on the alert for the accuser's lies. Help us to remember he is the accuser of the brethren. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called us 
heavenward in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to pursue maturity in Christ, to engage, expose ourselves to the means of growth, your word, your people, fellowship, prayer, getting the word in our minds, meditating on it, and engaging in the mission of the world. Let us not forget that one of the ways we grow is engaging in the mission of God. Lord, we need your grace. We need your help this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.